0: Hello and welcome to the third ever live stream, multi-stream edition of the Running with the Herd podcast powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. My name is Aaron Coleman. I'm the host and producer of the Running with the Herd podcast. And I'm here joined by Herd Nation staff writer, Josh Towers. Josh, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me again, man.
0: Absolutely. It's been, uh, been a solid uh solid stretch of games here for the Marshall Thundering herd they have uh been they are now three and0 and they are most recently defeated uh Western Kentucky in their rivalry game 38 to 14 and it wasn't nearly as close as the store as the score indicated Josh what were your takeaways from that game
1: uh man I'll tell you what uh starting fast was huge for us, especially after a long layoff, um, you know, three weeks without football, you know, for fans and even more so the players and coaches, you you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, and first play out of the shoot, you know, Grant drops back and, and hits Brock for the big pass play. And then, you know, second play later, you know, Brendan rips off a 45 yard touchdown and basically, bulldogs a guy to the ground as he's going into the end zone. So uh, getting off to a fast start was huge for him, and I think it set the tone for the rest of the game, truthfully.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. And uh, you also saw some uh, maturation from uh, Grant Wells as well, first uh, road game for the young quarterback. He acquitted himself well, did not uh, turn the ball over in that game. He did not uh, throw any touchdowns or run for any touchdowns in that game, but he did. Equit himself quite well what what would you make of the young quarterback's performance in that game
1: I think you just said it, you know you hit the nail on the head there I mean you know he didn't have a huge game statistically or anything like that but he did what he needed to do to win the game and you know like we've talked about before this since before the season you know that's that's what we need him to do we don't need him to be a superstar we just need him to be someone that you know um of facilitates the offense and and when he sees his shots you know take them and uh and be effective with it and you know just like that first play of the game i mean you know he obviously saw something there and you know went deep there and then there was a play later in the game where he hit brock again down the sidelines and i mean it was a ridiculous throw and probably an even better catch on brock's side but uh yeah i mean the throw yeah, that second throw i'm talking about you know grant put it where only you know, Brock had a shot at it. I mean, you know, the defender really had no chance. And you could almost say that Grant threw him open even more so than he already was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's just a situation where, you know, you can see each week where, I mean, he keeps settling in. And, you know, um, you know, I hate to jinx anything, but, you know, through his first three starts, um, you know, I'm not going to talk about, you know, the turnover number is much more than I'm already saying this, but uh, like I said, I don't want to jinx the kid, but um, he's done a good job at at protecting the ball. And I think for a freshman quarterback through his first three starts, I think that's, that alone says a lot about, you know, what type of player and quarterback he is.
0: Yeah, certainly. And uh, when you look at uh, the body of work that uh, Grant has had, um, You know, in these uh, first few games, I mean, he's taking care of the ball. I mean, he really has. I mean, when you look at that four to one touchdown interception ratio, it's really something that you look at for a young guy. And you could point to that and say, you know what? He's really uh, taking control of it. And speaking of taking control, how about Devontae Beckett taking control defensively? Three fumble recoveries, returned one for a touchdown. I mean, obviously, you know, that guy's all over the place. But the defense as a whole, with uh, coordinators, J.C. Price and Brad Lambert, they really have those guys dialed in.
1: Uh, for real, man. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, to touch on Devontae real quick, uh, the craziest statistic in that game for him, even more so than the three fumble recoveries, was the fact that he only had two tackles. I mean, yeah. like. Uh, like when he got, uh, you know, conference player of the week there, defense player of the week on Monday and you saw those numbers come out. Like if you hadn't looked at the statute already, like you were just like, what? Like, you know, to think that that guy only had you know two tackles in, in that game that his name seemed like it was being called all, all the time. Or, you know, the fact that he was around the ball all the time, uh, was just crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Ducks talked about it. I mean, he's a captain again this week. Um, the guy just keeps going out there, and 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 I think leading with how he plays the game. Um, you know, we talk a lot about. We've talked a lot about you know this team being, being different, and I don't think it's any coincidence that you know his Twitter handle has the word different in it because mm-hmm. I, I think he's one of the tune setters, not only for the defense but for the team both, and um, yeah. I don't think enough can be said about what he's done so far. And, you know, if, if things hold, you know, if thing if he keeps playing the way he is, there's no reason that he's not conference defensive player of the year. And, I mean, maybe even at some level, you know, potential All-American status.
0: Right. And, uh, Herrera, real quick, before we uh, run down our list of guests here, Uh, Just inviting you once again to join the live stream on uh, Facebook. And uh, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties with Twitter. We're going to see if we can get those worked out. But um, we're going to bring in our first guest here, and that, of course, is Marshall Offensive Coordinator Tim Cramsey. We're going to add him in here. Coach Cramsey. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Coach. How's it
2: going, sir? That should be all right, though, right?
0: That'll work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, turn your camera on. Uh, don't... I
2: don't have video on this uh on this deal. Hold on. There I, you go. This is uh yeah, this is uh hold on, let me get here a sec. Let me see if this works.
0: Magic Alive broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> now we've lost him all together.
0: All right, we're gonna try to see if we can get him back on here, but uh um real quick, I would say that um going back to the defense there and uh Tavante, I mean he really does set the tone for the whole team and He sets the tone for all of those guys, um, all the 11 guys uh, that play defense. So, I mean, I'll tell you, it's just one of those things where if you look at it, um, you know, he he really does his thing. So, I mean, it's just it's just great to see him out there doing his thing. It looks like we got Coach Cramsey back.
2: All right, Uh, right, man. Coach Tim
0: Cramsey. man. (laughs) Coach Tim Cramsey. man. Offensive coordinator here of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Welcome to the live stream, multi-stream podcast of the Runner with the Herd. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great, guys. How you guys doing? Pretty good. We're doing good. And, uh, Coach, uh, I tell you, when you have a young team or a young quarterback, I should say, the way that you have with Grant Wells, how has he uh, grown in each game as you've gone through this season so far?
2: Well, uh, Grant is a mature kid to begin with, you know, and I've, I've said it before. I hate the term young quarterback because young quarterback is just kind of like a built-in excuse to allow him to make mistakes. Uh, I always tell Luke, uh, Grant and Luke, like, you know, you guys have been playing quarterback your whole life, so the term young quarterback is not something I like to use around them. But what I've seen from him from, from really day one of fall camp through the first three games is he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And he, he, he learns very quickly um, from the mistakes that he does make. And to me, I don't care how long you play this position for, um, you're going to learn something every time you play it. Tom Brady still learns some things as he goes. You know what I mean? But to see him, uh, you know, grow and in, in make a mistake and correct that mistake quickly and not make it again, to me that's the thing I'm I, I've been most impressed with him by.
1: Coach, one thing I've talked about before is, uh, you know, with Grant, it, it never seems like he gets too high and never seems he gets too low. Like, he just kind of keeps an even keel. And, I mean, like, I don't know if you – know, I don't really know him off the field, you know, other than what – you know, I've talked to him a little bit around the stadium. But uh, is that something that he's always had in him or is that just something when he, you know, steps on the field, like he just – he kind of takes that that mindset?
2: No, that's, that's who he is as a person. The more, he, the more people get to – you know, the people that do know him – and the more people get to know him, he's a very even keel uh, human being. He, you know, he, he never gets to. I think after a couple touchdown passes in the first game, right after a couple of big plays, he throws a little fist pump, and that, that's about the most you're going to see from him on either side of it. Um, so I like that he can stay calm, cool when things are going well, stay poised when things are going well. Not that i like to see it, but after he threw the pick and yap game, you know, it was the same same right. body and Same mentality and 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 same approach he had to, you know, making a big play, which is what you want from a quarterback. You know, um, so he has some, you know, I, I always say this about Grant. Don't mistake in that for a fact that he's not a fiery competitor because he is. He, he's one of the most competitive guys I know. I mean, you pick up a golf club with him, he, he's going to shoot low 70s. You know what I mean? Um, you get a baseball. You're going to see if he can throw it harder than you. No matter what he's doing, it's a competition. And that's that's awesome in that room with him and Luke, uh, especially because Luke's the same human being as as Grant is. But you're not going to see him get too excited or get too down, you know, either way. And I, I think that's part of when I said he's a mature uh, person at his age. That's, you know, that's really part of it.
1: I think for me, like, that's been, like, the most impressive thing. Is like, because, you know, not to use the term that you don't like, but, yeah, you know, with a lot of young quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, a, a lot of guys that age don't really possess that, and uh, certainly certainly don't see it. You know, for, through their first three starts in their career.
2: No, and you know that's something we saw in, in the recruiting world. You know, Todd Todd Goble is the one who officially offered him before I was even here. Um, but my first summer when he was at camp, you know, you're trying to figure out if he's actually the guy. So you, you challenge, when he's at our camp, and when he was at our seven on seven stuff and. And, and watch him, uh, you know how he reacts to things. And he's the same person there. We're talking junior year of high school, um, where nothing really got to him, and nothing was too big. If receiver dropped the ball on, him, it wasn't a big deal. He went over and talked to the kid and and stuff like that. So since I've met him, that's the way he's been. You know, he's you know I say it nicely, I man. He's a, he, he's kind of a boring human being when you really sit. Down. <laughs> Tim Cramsey,
0: our guest here in the live stream edition of the Running with the Herd podcast. If you have a question for myself, Josh, or Coach, you can chime in on Facebook. Uh, Right now, we have uh, the comments open, so uh, if you want to get a question in for us here real quick, you can. Uh, Coach, when you have a senior-laden offensive line with five starters up front, how comfortable does that make you as a coordinator – you know, just going into a game knowing that you have those five guys not only protecting Grant, throwing the ball, but also paving the way for Sheldon Evans and Brendan Knox running the rock as well.
2: Yep. I sleep a lot better at night with those guys up front. I'll tell you that, man. If I had to put together an offense and say, who you know, who who do you want to be the best room in that offense, aside from the quarterback room, of course, it's got to be that offensive line room. And that's what we have right now. You can't, you know, you can't coach experience. The thing that they give us uh, the, the best advantage of is those guys up front can make adjustments doing drives. If you're playing with, uh, you know, not as an experience of an offensive line, you, you, you sometimes have to wait till between drives and make adjustments on things. But those guys have played so much football together and played so much football uh, here that they're making adjustments between drives and the defense come out and do a, something a little bit different than what we practice. It's not a big deal those guys, they, they've seen it at some point over the past three years, you know? So um, to me, that's a huge uh, advantage for us. It, it, it like I said, it allows me to sleep a lot better at night and it helps grant out um, immensely. I mean, you know, there's some guys when you watch film, he, he's back there four or five seconds and he, you know, specifically in the one of the third downs last week, um, he got through to his fifth read and completed a pass to Willie on the backside. And they were still within five yards of them, you know, so there's times out there grants playing seven on seven with those guys blocking for him. And that's a, that's a huge advantage for anyone, especially uh, let's use the term you know, inexperienced quarterback. How about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, when you look at Louisiana tech, you have, you guys have coming up on Saturday um, you know, don't have to get into scheme or anything, but just, um, what you've seen uh, from your offense over these past few weeks and uh, watching film of their defense. Um, just, you know, real quick, what would you uh, look to uh, take advantage of and look, look, how would you try to get your guys off to another fast
2: start? Um, you know, the biggest thing is to win the battle up front. You know, uh, they're a physical defense. You know, I don't want to say they're unathletic. They're an athletic defense. They're a, they, they base themselves on physicality. And you look at the stats; that's what they are. They they give up 118 yards rushing per game, you know. So to me, that's where the battle is going to be won uh, up front for us. So when you you still, I don't care what's happened these first three games. When you when you come in to play Marshall in in 2020, you better be ready to stop <clears throat> Brandon Knox in the backfield. You better be able to stop the run. So I'm I'm anticipating seeing the loaded box again, and like like we done the first couple games, ex- expecting the early deep passes and your early passes in general to loosen that box up a little bit. And that, that's what we got to be good at to be able to take advantage of those guys and uh, clear that box out as much as we can. Cause you know, again, it doesn't matter how many yards you throw for or what Grant has shown or what the receivers have shown or where Xavier Gaines lines up game plan coming in to play Marshall in 2020 is stop Brendan Knox. And how do you do that? You put an extra hat in the box. Coach
1: Aaron mentioned it and you know, just kind of, get back to last week, you know, and then, you know, even going into this week, talking about the fast start. I mean, how important was that after such a long layoff and, you know, being the first time on the road?
2: Um, It's huge. It's huge. Just something we, we we preach about. It's one of my top five goals every single week, and it, it, it's on my tip sheets. It's on the offensive scouting report. Uh, Fast start. You got to come out and you got to land that first punch and you got to score on that first drive, whether, you know, we, we've been taking the ball first uh this year, um but if not the first time you touch the ball you got to go down and score and you know schematically for for me as a coordinator and for us as an offensive staff you really should uh, you know that's your game plan plays that you're calling that's the stuff that you've sat down and watched all week long and the stuff that you think is going to work against them and the ways you want to attack them so if you're scoring on that first drive you're doing a good job on Sunday and Monday night of, of game plan those guys and attacking where you want to attack them and then of course it's, it's down to the guys making plays so you know, all three games we we scored in that first drive and got out to a quick start. And um, whenever you can get a lead, especially you know with the defense we got playing with us right now, um, you know life's gonna be good early in the in the uh, in the first quarter. All
0: right, coach, we're gonna let you go here on this one. I'm a quick. I'm gonna throw a quick fun one here at you. Do you have any pregame rituals or traditions before a game as you get ready to coach these guys? Uh, not only this week, but throughout your coaching career. Do you have any uh, post uh, pregame rituals or any sort of thing that you do specifically to get ready for a uh, contest?
2: Um, I, I wouldn't say any pregame ri- rituals. One one thing I, you will see me do before every game is walk around the field. Start at one of the, uh, the pylons and walk all the way around the field. Home game, away game, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. You know, that's something I've been doing too, since back in my, my New Hampshire days, uh, 11 years ago when I became a coordinator. And it, it, it's kind of a mentality of, of marking your territory. That, that field where we're about to play on is my territory, our territory, excuse my language. And we're out there, you know, marking that territory. Um, and then I carry around a, uh, you know, I'm um, Irish heritage. I carry around an Irish coin with me on game day. And it's just a little lucky thing that. When you need a big play, you need someone to make a big play for you, get a quick rub of that before you make the call and you go from there.
0: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, uh, take that Irish coin with you to uh, Rustin, Louisiana, (laughs) Coach. And, uh, you know, make sure that you give it a couple of good rubs before uh, six o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Central. Coach Cramsey, thank you very much for joining us here on the live stream, multi stream edition of the Running with the Herb podcast. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks a lot.
2: Appreciate you guys anytime, man. Great talking. Good luck this weekend, Coach. All right, go Herd.
0: Good luck, guys. All right. That was uh, Coach Tim Cramsey joining us in the Running with the Herd live stream, multi stream podcast. Aaron Coleman, along with Josh Stowers, here in the live stream. If you have a question for either of us, uh, you could chime in on Facebook right now. Um, you could uh, leave a note in the comment section. And I know a lot of people are viewing this right now on the live stream. And uh, here in just a little bit, we're going to be catching up with Ben Carlisle of Bleed Tech Blue. That's the Louisiana Tech Rivals uh, Network site. And we're going to get the uh, opponent perspective on the matchup that we have here. Now, Josh, I know that um, we're going to be playing a Louisiana tech team. That's been, if anything consistent under skip bolts. And it's one of those things where if you look at it, um, you know, they kind of had their struggles a little bit against UTEP, but overall, they're not a bad football team. I mean, what what can you say about Louisiana tech? We were at that game last year. I remember talking to you and we, we saw those guys up close and personal. What do you think about the Bulldogs?
1: Uh well, first and foremost, uh, you know, I, I think you'll see a much different team than what we saw last year in Huntington. And when I say that, you know, I think um, obviously, you know, they had some suspensions last year in last year's game. And, um, you know, the quarterback is, uh, you know, back. And then, you know, Doc kind of talked about it in his press conference. You know, they run the two quarterback system. Um, and, you know, like what he said, they don't change a whole lot, you know, no matter which one's in. Um, now, they might run the ball a little bit more um, with Allen in. Is Allen? Yeah, I think it's Allen's the name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, they might be a little bit more throw heavy when Anthony is in. But uh, as far as, you know, the play calling, there's not a lot of difference there. Um, I mean, other than, like I said, some, some, you know, more run-oriented, you know, plays with Allen. But, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, they're big up front. You know, they're, they're physical, you know, like Coach Gramsci said, you know, even on the defensive side, but, you know, on the off- offensive side, just the same. Uh, they're big and physical up front. You know, they got a, a big physical running back. Um, you know, he doesn't get a lot of yards, um, but he's much more versatile than what you realize. I mean, he catches the ball in the backfield very well. Uh, and then they got two kids that are a little bit younger and they catch the ball a little bit uh, out of the backfield and they're a little bit quicker and, you know, shiftier than. You know, kind of like Sheldon is for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's our first time to Louisiana Tech, off the top of my head, I believe so. Yeah, I believe uh, so, yeah. And so anytime you're going somewhere new, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, there, there are obviously questions there. Uh, but the thing about this year is, is with 2020, you know, the, the guys have already had so much thrown at them that – it's kind of the norm. I mean, you know, you going somewhere new or playing a new team or you know, anything like that. They've already went through so much, so much adversity this year that it's kind of the norm for them. So, you know, like we said last week, um, I, I expect us to go down here and, and play our game. You know, I think we're going to go down and, uh, you know, like coach Crancy said, you know, stopping, you know, Knox and, and Sheldon is probably the, obviously the, you know, the target for every team. But uh, with those five guys up front and those two guys in the backfield, um, you know, the way they're playing right now, I wish any team on the other side of the ball good luck stopping those guys because, I mean, that unit as a whole, you know, in terms of, you know, our rushing attack is playing really well right now.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. Uh, Brad chiming in on Facebook. Evening gents, what's going on, Brad? Thank you for listening. We certainly appreciate it. You could chime in as well if you have a question or comment for Josh or myself. You could chime in on Facebook. We are live streaming right now in the live stream, multi stream edition of the Running with the Herd podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at Running with the Herd. You could also follow Herd Nation on Facebook at Marshall Thundering Herd at her nation you could also follow us on twitter you can follow us individually and follow the sites as well so be sure to do that leave a comment chime in interact with us that's what we love that's that's part of why we do this right here josh is uh just interacting with the fans i mean you know we've even had a couple of uh current players on our uh on our live stream, uh, Dalton Montiel, kickoff specialist, he's uh, joined us in the past. A couple of other guys have done the same, and you could do the same. So feel free to chime in as well. We're going to be talking to Ben Carlisle from uh, Bleed Tech Blue here in about the next five minutes. Um, real quick, Josh, uh, just came down a couple of days ago was that Conference USA is – Going to be moving the championship game back to December the eighteenth to make room for some more uh, possible uh, conference games that need to be make uh, that need to be made up. Excuse me, due to uh, COVID nineteen and everything else with uh, canceled games. Uh, what are your thoughts and opinions on uh, the conference moving the championship game back, and uh, how could this potentially affect Marshall if they were to play in the conference championship game?
1: You know, we talked about it you know, during the, lot, the last podcast. Um, there's still a lot of questions there, I mean, in terms of you know, how all that stuff plays out. I mean, because total number of games played, um, conference games played, I mean, all that stuff matters in, in kind of in determining you know, who's going to play for the CUSA championship. So um, I think it's really important for, for every team to get as many games played as they can. Uh, I think it was a good move by the conference to, to push the – championship game back a few weeks and and allow for that. Now, who knows how it'll play out between now and then, you know, you have have schools like FAU who have experienced a a ton of issues down there. So, you know, that's another opponent for us, you know, coming up, I mean, actually it's homecoming. So, I mean, who knows if we'll actually get to play that game at this point. Um, And that's just me saying that, that's that's not anything that I've heard. So don't take that for what it was, but uh, just take it for what it is. But, uh, um, you know, like I said, I think, I think it's a good thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the conference, you know, plays that out. You know, it, does a school like Rice start playing football? I mean, do they eventually actually start playing football? Who knows? I mean, you know, is that a, is that a game that we want to try to make up in, you know, the first couple of weeks of December? Do we want to really travel to Texas? Um, probably not. But uh, you know that that may be out of control. You know, it's obviously probably on the conference to decide that. Um, but uh, like I said, it's it, it's important just from you know a championship game standpoint and, and determining who's going to play.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, when you uh, when you have these uh, sorts of things going on in a pandemic year, I mean, it makes for interesting uh, talk, and it makes for Interesting conversation on the message board, such as ours and others around Conference USA and in other conferences as well, as to see what games could be made up. I mean, obviously, FAU, as you alluded to, has had a ton of issues. Southern Miss has had a couple of games canceled. Um, Rice, you know, has, uh, you know, had their struggles this season. ODU uh, decided before the season even started that they were not going to play at all. And, uh, you know, it's just been a very interesting moving parts type of year all the way around. I think this could also maybe open the door not only for uh, conference games that need to be made up, but also possibly an out-of-conference game that uh, could be made up. And I know that the likelihood of this happening is pretty small, but uh, East Carolina, if they don't have any issues In early to mid December, and Marshall doesn't have any issues. I don't see any reason why that game shouldn't be made up. In my opinion,
1: Uh, you know, it's a game with a lot of emotion in it. Um, I think, and I can see what you're saying for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I guess the question is, you know, with a game with so much emotion in it, um, you know, because obviously the the date of the crash will have come and gone by that point. And, um, I, uh, you know, making a trip, you know, you're going down there and, and playing in a game with that much emotion. I, I don't know how that affects you at that point, obviously. Um, especially if it's, you know, if it would happen to be the week before the conference championship, you know, you wouldn't want to play in a game that is so emotional, you know, if, if for some reason you come out with a loss, you know, that you're going into the championship game, you know, kind of on a, a real downer I guess I should say um mm-hmm. but then again you look at it you know, from you know the standpoint of, of what that game you know means and you know, you know the, the meaning that it has and you know like you said it's it's a game that that, that a lot of people want to see played too so yeah, you could go either way with it um you know I, I'm comfortable with you know whatever Mike decides and whatever the conference decides you know that's Uh, I've been trying to take that approach, you know, given the situation uh, all season long that, you know, I think we're just blessed to have football in general, you know. If we get get extra games, that's great. If we don't, then, you know, we'll we'll play the games that we have scheduled and and go on with it.
0: Yeah, certainly. And it's one of those things where, I mean, if you look at it, uh, you know, if you have certain games played, that's great and if you don't then you know you just go with what you have and uh, go on from there so i mean like i said it's a long season so i mean you know it feels like we're only in, in what week 4 and it feels like we're in week 8 you know i mean it's yeah. just it's just nuts i mean there's been so many twists and turns as this thing has gone along and i'm just really surprised to see um that um, we have as many cases of coaches getting COVID as, as we do all across the country. And I know that um, testing protocols have been very um, stringent and have been, you know, uh, constant in uh, life as far as everything's going. But I'm just uh, kind of surprised to see as many coaches getting this as they have. But I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough thing. I mean, you know, because, you know, the accountability falls on so many people. I mean, and I'm not talking just, you know, people in, in regards to the athletic department. I mean, like, you know, I'll use Nick Saban as an example, you because he was, you know, you know the, the most recent, and obviously the most well-known coach to have contracted it. But, right, you, you know, I think it's a situation where like, you know, it there like i said it goes beyond that it's you know his family it's you know and i'm pretty sure he has daughters and i mean it's you know who are who are his daughters hanging out with i mean is he able to see his daughters or his his children you know because of that i mean like it, it just it goes so far beyond you know and it's just one person i mean like you know one person can really you know mess it up for a lot of people and and that's that's sad but uh you know it's uh, it's it's a difficult situation and you know we've talked about this before and I'm gonna bring it up again I think you know my Hamrick, doc uh, coaching staff everybody in the athletic you know department the players um, you know football staff members should all be applauded for how they have handled it this year uh, yep um, allowing us to have football you know and you know just you know a uh, enjoy enjoy the weekends like we should be able to you know during the fall yeah I know, I know it means a lot to me and um i know it means a lot to our fans uh so like, like i said i take my hat off to those people and uh and we thank you
0: yeah absolutely uh, thank you to everyone involved with that and uh, right now we're gonna bring on our next guest here and uh we're gonna take a look at the Louisiana tech side of things is uh, Marshall and Louisiana tech prepared to do battle on uh, Saturday at six o'clock down in Ruston, Louisiana. And here to take a look at the Louisiana tech side of things is Ben Carlisle from uh lead tech blue, the rivals network site for Louisiana tech. Ben, welcome to the live
3: stream. Oh, thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah for sure, certainly.
0: I uh, appreciate you joining us. And, uh, when you take a look at Louisiana Tech, they are coming off of a win over UTEP, 21-17. to 17. Uh, There was a lot of different individuals out due to injury, due to uh, COVID-19 and uh, other uh, things. Um, just what were your takeaways from that last game against UTEP? And um, just give us an assessment of, on how Louisiana Tech has done so far this year.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at the game against UTEP, you know, really what you see on paper is what you got in the football game. Uh, You know, offensively, I think Tech had 210 total yards and head coach Skip Holtz, um, you know, he spoke after the game, he spoke all week that, uh, you know, it's the worst offensive performance uh, since he's been here since 2013. But when you talk about some of the missing pieces on that offensive line, you know, obviously before the season, Willie Allen, the starting left tackle, opted out. Um, And then you're without your two starters behind him, which were the second and third guys. The fourth offensive tackle was out as well. Uh, So you're down to your fifth and sixth guys. And even when you look at those guys at offensive tackle, uh, Byron Rossell, a redshirt sophomore, got a start. Uh, He hadn't played since the Marshall game last year. So he had only had, you know, seven to ten full days of practice under his belt. At right tackle, they had Walker Hankinson, a redshirt freshman. Uh, making his first career start, and he didn't practice the two weeks prior to that from being out to, due to COVID. So when you look at some of the offensive struggles that Tech had in that game, um, it certainly makes sense. Now, does that make an, an excuse? I, I don't think it does. Uh, it's just one of the things that come along with uh, what we're dealing with here in 2020. But on the defensive side of the ball, I thought you know, Tech played its best game of the year. You look at David Blackwell coming as the new defensive coordinator from ODU, uh, Bulldogs having to replace 10 starters on that side of the ball. Uh, we've, we've seen some progress from that unit. Obviously, they played their best game on Saturday against UTEP, uh, only allowed 10 points and 266 total yards. But really, uh, when you look at this Louisiana Tech team, they got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball if they can protect their quarterback and allow them to get it some, to some of those playmakers on the outside. And then defense, you know, they're going to continue to be a
1: work in progress throughout the year. Ben, can you talk about like the two quarterbacks? I mean, I know they play both those guys and and, things don't change a whole lot, you know, when they're both in there, but uh, just talk about each one of them.
3: Yeah. You know, obviously the starter, Luke Anthony, uh, a grad transfer from Abilene Christian. And, you know, when he came to Louisiana tech and committed to the Bulldogs back in early January, um, it was understood that he would be the starter. But then with all this COVID-19 stuff that goes on tech, doesn't have a spring practice. Uh, You don't get a whole lot of work in the summer as well. So it, it turned into a full-fledged quarterback battle throughout the fall camp, and you know Tech stopped and started and stopped and started, and so neither guy really separated himself when you're talking about Anthony or Aaron Allen, the young redshirt sophomore, so it went into the first game of the season against Southern Miss, Aaron Allen got the start, Luke Anthony comes off the bench, throws four touchdowns in that game, and I really think that he's just kind of taking control of the position. You can see some of the the veteran traits to him he's just always nothing's too big for him i guess it's the best way to put it the game's really slowed down for him as a fifth year senior and you know he's not played perfect by any means he doesn't have a huge arm uh like tech has seen the past three seasons with jamar smith at quarterback but he's doing a nice job and he's he's really growing within the offense you know the past two or three weeks trying to figure things out kind of on the run with the lack of spring practice and fall camp that tech had and aaron allen Uh, the redshirt sophomore. He's seen action in all four games. I know he got his first career start up in Huntington last week. And, uh, you know, when you talk about him, he struggled with pressure in his face, which, you know, tends to happen with some younger quarterbacks. But I think the future's bright for him. And you're probably going to see him again on Saturday against Marshall. They're trying to get him a series or two uh, just to keep him fresh with all the uncertainties surrounding the season. But both guys have done a nice job, like I said. But Luke Anthony, uh, clearly, the starter at this point, the big thing for Tech is they just have to protect him and really protect both guys to give them uh, a chance to throw the football because they struggle with pressure in their face.
0: Ben Carlisle, our guest here in the live stream edition of the running with the Herd podcast. You can follow all of Ben's work on Louisiana Tech on Twitter. You got a great follow there, and uh, Ben. We, te- we kind of talked a little bit about him when we brought you on. Uh, Skip Holtz, uh, one of the things that I've noticed about um, his tenure at Louisiana Tech is just their consistency. They've only had one losing season since he's been the coach, and he's uh, you know really installed a uh, work ethic and a discipline on that team. They're uh, well coached. They don't really beat themselves too much. Just what kind of Impression do you think uh, Skip has had not only um, on the football team but also like on the fan base as well? What have they come to expect from uh, Coach Holtz?
3: No, he's done a tremendous job, and you take a look at this Louisiana Tech job. You know, going back to the 2006 to two or 2007 to 2009 under Derek Dooley, uh, Sonny Dykes followed that up from 2010 to 2012 before Skip was hired in 2013 so they they wanted some continuity in the program and he's done a nice job he's really you know built a program and that's one thing that he said he was going to do when he was hired and I think that's why you're able to see some of this long string of success that Tech has had and really you know it's the first time they've had a long string of success you know going back to the late 80s so they've done a really nice job I know he's had to Uh, you know, grab some grad transfer quarterbacks at time. He brought in Cody Sokol from Iowa in 2014, Uh, 2015. He brought in Jeff Driscoll from Florida, obviously this year with Luke Anthony. So he's done it a number of different ways, really taking advantage of some of the resources that, you know, with the area that Tech has to recruit uh, here around Louisiana and into Texas and Arkansas and Mississippi. And, you know, you have to give him some credit for the job he's done. Anytime. Uh, a team at tech's level can win consistently eight nine games i know they won 10 for the first time since 1984 Uh, you have to give you know the coaching staff a tremendous amount of credit and he's done a good job and i think you know from a fan base perspective one thing louisiana tech fans always hang their hats on is a dynamic offense that's going to score a lot of points so you know you look back obviously the example last week against utep a win to win but the fan base is struggling with that win because there weren't enough points scored, but as a football coach, y'all know how it goes. Uh, they're just looking to get W's on any given Saturday, but he's done a really good job and brought some continuity to the program. And I know Louisiana tech fans are happy with the job that he's done.
0: Yeah. And uh, between him and doc holiday, they're probably the two longest tenured coaches in a uh, conference USA. Currently skip at Eight years doc at 11 years and it'll be a clash of uh, two well-coached teams on Saturday, that's for sure. Ben Carlisle here in the Running with the Herd live stream edition podcast. Ben, thanks very much for joining us. We certainly appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on. And uh, if these two teams happen to meet each other again in the Conference
3: USA Championship, we'll give you a call, all right? Absolutely, fellas. Y'all have a good night. Looking forward to a fun matchup in Ruston Saturday night. Thanks, man.
0: Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. That was Ben Carlisle of Bleed Tech Blue talking a little Louisiana Tech here in the live stream edition of the Running with the Herd podcast. Brad chiming in on Facebook saying, what we have to remember is our defense is way better than UTEP. Tech only had a little over 200 yards total. That's the difference. And uh, Ben alluded to it uh, just in that past segment just now. Uh, Tech did struggle a little bit on Offense and uh, with our defense playing the way that it's playing right now, I don't really see too many issues in terms of uh, stopping the run and uh, trying to uh, make sure that we get after the quarterback.
1: It'll be interesting to see, you know, if if those if those guys that he was talking about being out are back this week. Um, you know, obviously, coaches usually play that stuff pretty close to the vest, so it's hard, it's hard to tell, you know, whether those guys are going to be out. You know another week or or you know if they'll be back in place but uh you know you got to keep in mind too like he was saying some of those guys were getting their, their real first taste of playing so even another week's experience will help those, those younger guys that he was talking about so um i think you know it's expected that maybe they'll be a little bit more efficient uh, in their play but kind of like you if our defense shows up and plays the way it's been playing uh it it's going to be tough sledding for any offense at this point in conference USA because you know our defense is just playing so well. I mean, and really at all three levels. I mean, you know we've we've you know we've stopped the run with the front seven, and you know um, we've had guys in the secondary step up, and it's really allowed us to you know that that alone has helped us stop the run it is because you know guys like you know Gilmore, uh, Jalen Sapp, and. And those guys at safety who are flying to the ball i mean there were a couple of plays last week you know just in those first couple of series that you know nazi johnson and Derek Pitts, you know came out of nowhere and just blew yeah. guys up and uh you know when guys are flying to the ball like that and 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 really the whole defense you know game tackling it it makes it really hard on, on an offense
0: yeah i tweeted about it in that first uh, defensive series for the herd uh fast to the football i mean you know you think about Uh, like you said, Nazi Johnson flying the football and uh, the play by Pitts where he went all the way across the field and stopped the uh, mobile quarterback for uh, Western Kentucky Pigram. And he just stopped him uh, just before the first down marker. That was a very impressive play. I mean, especially for a safety to come all the way across the field like that and make an open field tackle on an elusive guy. That's that's just something that you know has not been seen in years past and um when you look at it one of the things that I was talking about last year especially after that UCF uh bowl loss was team speed and how team speed needed to be improved especially on the defensive side of the ball when you're looking at Luke Day the uh strength and conditioning coordinator, and you've talked about him a couple of times on this forum and on others. His imprint is all over this team in terms of speed, physicality, flying to the football, and making plays when they need to be made.
1: For sure. I mean, I think, you know, even beyond all that, I think, you know, just um, maybe the mental approach to the game and, and, you know, practice and and you know, the weight room and, and everything, I think, you know, I think Luke's imprint is on and, um, you know, that's, that's a tribute to, to him and his staff, but, uh, I mean, and I know we've said this and i said it earlier again, And you know, just kind of talking about this team being different, but, uh, the, the leadership on this team, I think is just incredible. I mean, you've got guys, you know, like I said, Devontae Beckett, um, other guys, you know, on the defense, uh, Sheldon Evans. I mean, every time you see, you know, one of those videos, you know, come out from the athletic department. I mean, that guy's, you know, up in up in someone's face, and and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I mean he's he's in somebody's face or just right in the middle of the huddle, and he is just going going off. And I mean, you can just feel the energy, you know, through a video. So I can't imagine what it's like, you know, playing next to a guy like that, and and you know. And being able to call him my teammate, it, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it would certainly be easy to want to play hard for a guy like that. And, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it you know, really for the staff in itself too. I mean, like, you know, there, <laughs> I've been around doc enough to know that that guy's got some fire in him and, uh, you know, it's, it's linked down you know into his players and, and, you know, his staff members, you know, coach price is another guy that I've seen get, um, get outside of himself is probably the best way to say it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I uh, have. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, like I said, this team's just different, has a different feel, and um, you see that each week. Um, it's 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 just a good thing. It's a good time to be a Marshall fan, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, one of the thing that I've noticed, and – I know that some of our fans have talked about it too. A lot of those who have timed uh, in on uh, Herd Nation, you can subscribe to that, by the way, is the fact of they want Marshall to be where they were in terms of being amongst the leaders in Group of Five football. And right now we are off to an excellent start and we're, and we're on our way back to being in that conversation when you're talking about the elite Group of Five teams all across college football, Marshall. Appalachian State, Boise State, Cincinnati. Those are the kinds of teams that we want to be associated with in terms of group of five football. And the fact of, you know, I, I even texted you this um, a couple of days ago, Josh. We have an identity. And that's a big part of uh, being in that conversation is having a strong identity as a football team. And when you look at, you know, being physical and when you look at punching you in the mouth on defense Hitting you again on offense with Brendan Knox, and then you have the young quarterback, Grant Wells, taking shots in the throwing game. That's your identity, and that's a pretty tough identity for anybody to stop.
1: You know, I think, you know, when you say identity, I'll use the word brand. Um, you know, it's it, enough can't be said for those first couple games um, on national television, you know. Yep. Heading into the season, no one outside of the Charleston-Huntington area knew who Grant Grant Wells was, to be honest. I mean, and after one week, you know, just like last week, you know, Joey Galloway was talking about Grant Wells, you know, three weeks into the season, you know, talking about being a guy that, you know, could make plays and do things. Um, so, like I said, it's just having that brand and, well, like you said, an identity about um, who you are and 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 being comfortable with that and knowing that and, and really um, – I guess, uh, I don't really know what the word to use there. Um, just playing with that. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, being physical, being playing fast, um, you know, having some swag. I hate, I hate that word so much, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I will use it. But, uh, you know, just – It's
0: appropriate that. here.
1: It, it is. Um, like I said, it's um, – there is cocky and there is confident, and you can see the confidence in this team. Um, and, you know, they want to play with, with each other. They want to play for each other. And, uh, you know, when you have a team like that that's, that's jailed and, and uh, believes in one another like these guys do, it, uh, yeah, it's a good recipe.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, we're going to take a couple of minutes here to check out some comments here on the live stream. Thanks to everyone who has joined us so far. And thanks to our guest as well. Jordan chiming in on Facebook. He says, I know that y'all are primarily talking about what's ahead of us, but have you given any thought as to how you think homecoming is going to play out considering what's going on down at FAU? And Josh, you kind of uh, talked a little bit about it earlier in the show. Um, FAU has only played one game so far due to uh, issues with uh, COVID and uh, um, cancellations and those sorts of things. I don't know if there's a contingency plan in place should FAU um, bow out of their game on the 24th of October against Marshall uh, at Jonesy Edwards Stadium. But um, I I just don't know if there is a contingency plan in place. But a lot of people down in Boca, and I've been paying attention to uh, some folks on Twitter and some other people, they are saying that. Um, some of these protocols are clearing and that they should be good to go next week. I don't know what your thoughts are, but um, it'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, You know, things, it's just been this way all season, you know, things change daily. Um, So it's, it's tough to sell. I mean, as far as having, you know, some kind of fallback plan, Um Uh, I'm unaware of one. Um, you know, I know Mike's always working on things, but, um, if that game would not get canceled fairly soon, and I, and I don't anticipate that it's going to just because, you know, I'm I'm sure I know we want to play and I'm sure they do too. Um, I can't imagine us playing next week if, if um if that game should get canceled unless like i said unless it happens sometime this week and it would give you know the athletic department um some time to really you know make some moves you know aggressively and, and and fast
0: yeah i mean it's it's hard to say what'll happen i mean everything's uh changing before the season started we were not playing eastern kentucky and we were not playing app state so i mean you know it just goes to show you well, before we wrap up here, Josh, quick game pr- prediction for you. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Marshall in this one against Louisiana Tech, six o'clock Eastern time kickoff from Ruston, Louisiana on CBS Sports Network, for those of you who have that channel. And I'm going to go with the herd in this one, 37 to 17. I'm going to go uh, 37 to 17, and that matchup. Uh, what is your prediction there?
1: Um. Well, Vegas is Vegas because they know what they're doing. Um. Yeah, I know the line they opened do. up. The line opened up at thirteen and a half. Uh, I haven't actually paid attention to the over/under. Um. Yeah, just based off what this team's been able to do so far. Um. I, I think Marshall gets the win. Um, as far as predicting a score, um, I'll say 31 to 17, uh, again, uh, just, is LaTeX going to be able to put up 17 points? I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they will and they won't because I'm not going to jinx anything. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I am a uh, Uber. I am Uber superstitious when it comes to things like that regarding sports. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Marshall, if they, if they play like they have been, um, if they go down and take, take care of business, um you know like they have the first three weeks of the season i I see no reason that uh we might not have a shot at entering the top 20 or re-entering the top 25 next week
3: yeah
0: i certainly agree with that as well i mean you know a lot of our fans are saying that we deserve to be in the top 25 and i feel like we do uh we're a top 25 football team in terms of uh Offense, defense, and special teams, we've uh, done well in all three phases of the game in the three games that we have played. And uh, if you have some teams that are falling out of the top 25 due to some uh, losses or whatnot, I don't see any reason why we can't re-enter.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you had a team like Louisiana lost last night you know, to Coastal yeah. Carolina. Now, that that made Coastal Carolina 4-0 with a win against the top 20 team. So it'll be interesting to see where they fall. I mean end you know, they they very well may jump up um, but uh, with what Marshall's been able to do and, and and like you said earlier on, you know that score last week was not in any indication of how you know dominant that was i mean that that was domination uh, mm-hmm. from, start, from start to finish, there was never a question of who was going to win that game. it was more of a question of by how many points is marshall going to win this game and right. uh, you know i don't care to sound cocky there because it's western kentucky and you know, we talked about that two weeks ago there's bad blood there so any ill fortune those people face when when dealing when playing against us i'm okay with that because
0: i'm okay I'll, with it too
1: <laughs> i'll uh that 2014 still looms with me, but the, we won't talk about that. But uh. yeah,
0: 2014 sticks out to me, and 2016 sticks out to me as well. That was uh, that was not a uh, good performance by our uh, our thundering herd, and uh, that one will always stick with me. And I watched that whole thing. I mean, I know you probably did too. And I was like, I want to remember this because I don't want to see anything like this ever again.
1: I I never leave games early. No matter how bad it is, if I if I leave a game early, it's because something is bad, wrong. Like, and I mean that in a personal way, because mm-hmm. there's I have sat through rain-soaked losses and rain-soaked beatdowns, and I will just I just do not I don't leave games. I mean, I don't right. leave at halftime. I don't leave the stadium. It could be seventy to nothing, and I'll sit there right in my seat until <laughs> the till the, till the clock. <laughs> Shows zero, but uh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I'm the same yeah, way. It's uh, yeah. Back to this week, though. Um, uh, like I said, I, I think if we take care of business and play the way we can, and play the way that we've we've shown we've been able to, uh, I think you know Marshall comes back four and nine.
0: Definitely agree with you. On that note, we will sign off. Thanks to everybody for chiming in. You can catch the archived uh, broadcast of this. Not only on SoundCloud, but also on Marshall Thundering Herd at Herd Nation, where it is live streamed too, as well as Running with the Herd Facebook page. It'll show up on Twitter a little bit later, and it will be on SoundCloud as well. Thanks to our publisher, Chris McLaughlin. Thanks to you, Josh. Thanks to our guest from earlier, uh, Tim Cramsey, Marshall Offensive Coordinator, as well as Ben Carlisle from B- Bleed Tech Blue. And once again, remember that you could. Always check the live stream, multi-stream podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcast. This will be up a little bit later on TuneIn, Anchor, as well as Google and iHeart Radio Podcasts. So thank you very much for joining us and go her. Thanks for
1: having me, man.